for all my Tucson listeners, I know we all love and appreciate Bookman's. Bookman's is a wonderful source in the community for culture and knowledge. Besides being an entertainment exchange that has shelves stocked with items sold or traded by people who live right here in Tucson, Bookman's also holds weekly events for children, teens, and adults. When I first moved to Tucson, Bookman's was one of the first stores I went to, and the fact that I can walk there from my house makes the sponsorship very special. For those of you outside of Tucson, I encourage you to shop local wherever you are, especially at used bookstores. Take advantage of all that they offer and give them your support and business. For more information, please visit www.bookmans.com. And remember, Bookman's has cool covered. Just because I talk basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kid. Welcome to Dear Adam Silver. My name is Abigail Smithson, and as always, I am your host. Brian Tran is on the show today. Dedicated longtime listeners will remember Brian as my first ever guest. We recorded the first episode of Dear Adam Silver during a power outage at Paul Artspace in St. Louis, or just outside St. Louis in Florissant, Missouri. We were both artists and residents there during the summer of 2018. Brian is a writer and Master of Fine Arts candidate at Washington University in St. Louis. He's also a longtime Lakers fan and dedicated basketball nerd. Today we are discussing Charles Barkley, also known as Sir Charles, who leads off the podcast every week with the statement, just because I can dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. This was part of a larger commercial campaign by Nike in the early 90s, where Barkley also states, I am not a role model. Barkley has been a controversial, outspoken figure during his near to 40 years being a part of the professional basketball world, from his time as a player to his current position as a game analyst for TNT. He has made public, controversial, often offensive comments throughout his career and as recently as a few weeks ago. He is also honest, unfiltered, and pulls no punches, which can be respectable, but not when those comments are offensive and insensitive. I thought this was a good time to discuss why I choose to include him on the pod and how he has contributed to basketball overall. Thanks to Brian for coming on and sharing his thoughts and keeping me on my toes. And thanks to all of you for listening. And please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, I'm I'm all about LeBron and AD right now. Yeah. Um, it's very fun to watch. Yes, and I am just totally obsessed with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and just like the chemistry that they bring to the Staples Center is just unmatched at, you know, at any other time throughout the history of that building slash the building that was there before. It's crazy what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also crazy how they get booed at Dodger Stadium. For another episode. Oh, uh, yeah. So I am officially bandwagon Clippers Um, just mostly because... I think it's fun to troll you and not really for any other reason. I do love Lou yeah. Williams. I mean, I think Lou Williams is like such an exciting player to watch. Mm-hmm. And I do think that they're an exciting team. And and the Lakers are exciting, sure. Um, yeah, the great job. I mean, Anthony you, you Davis hit that three-pointer last night. You against also love the Pat Bev. Don't you? Um, I do, but only recently. So I didn't love him when they were playing the Warriors, uh, when the Clippers were playing the Warriors in the first round of... Last year's playoff, I did not necessarily love Pat Beverly because I felt that he was very effective at getting under people's skin mm. and driving he them was, a little he was, crazy. He was also in Houston for uh, a number of years where he played the Warriors, right? Yeah. As a um, member of Houston? I think so, yeah. I mean, early on. like that was I think he was on in like 2015, 2016. 
Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm just, you know, um, players that are now on, so yeah, now I am a Pat Beverly fan because he's not, you know, bothering the Warriors as much because the Warriors are unbothered, <laughs> cannot be bothered mm-hmm. right now because they are so bothered that they can't be bothered. Um, mm-hmm. and so now I like watching him kind of get into the skin of other teams, AKA, uh, Austin Rivers. <laughs> um, so I want Pat yeah. Beverly to like be sort of um pissing off the rockets like that's my that's my end goal here um yeah so but congratulations to your lakers and must be exciting exciting times for you uh as a lakers fan and i want to acknowledge that um (laughs) yeah I, i don't know it's it's uh it's it's nice it's nice to watch meaningful basketball again. I mean, it's, it, it was, it was great to, um, I kind of related to what, uh, Noah Cohen said on your last podcast mm. on, on how he was sort of, um, uh, once the CL supersonics left, uh, his hometown, um, he had to reassess his fandom, um, and, uh, didn't relate to it in a way that had a, a specifically sort of like rooting interest in the goings on of the league. And I felt like that was, um, that was almost the past decade for me um, where the Lakers were largely irrelevant. And, but yet I still watch the NBA more than any other sports, more than I watch yeah. baseball in, 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 in which the, the Dodgers were relevant. Um, um, they were relevant uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Oh my god. That's so cruel. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't help it. I really can't help it. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, but it's, also it's, because it's of the okay. whole well, the cameras, the Astros, like this is not I should never have said anything. I'm editing this out. Oh yeah. my god, I can't have people I can't have people thinking I'm like a cold hearted <laughs> anything about, you know, uh what that must be like to have yeah, so back to back, whatever, you know, so I'm just yeah. uh <laughs> I understand. Yeah, no, it was rough, but 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 the whole Astros thing is is it makes it worse, and at the same time, it kind of makes it better. You know, like mm. I'm I'm of two minds there, where it's infuriating, but at the same time, at the very least, like I don't expect I, you know, I've, I don't know, like game five to be replayed or anything. Like I can't imagine anything sort of to that extent. I don't expect the Astros championship to be. Um, to be stripped away um and i certainly don't expect that if it were stripped away um the championship would just sort of be like given by default to the dodgers like i wouldn't want that as a kind of you know um compensatory uh uh, you know ring or or championship Mm -hmm. um but so in place of that, at the very least, would I like their championship to be like largely sort of stained in the way that Barry Bonds's um, home run record is largely stained? Sure, you know, um, I'll take that as sort of like a second place um, uh, solace. Um, that that uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's so I feel um, uh, kind of both ways about it. That it is infuriating, but that I kind of can't get enough of it, you know? Right. Okay. So let's dive into why I asked you to come on the pod today. And mostly it's because Charles Barkley, as 
have you, both of you guys have been part of the podcast since the first episode. Charles Barkley, not necessarily in a way that he knows about. <laughs> you right. were present and, and ready to talk. Charles Barkley, of course, is the clip at the beginning of the theme song of my podcast saying, just because I can dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. And then the theme song kicks in. And I'm sure you noticed that I have a new theme song now. Great, very exciting. Great new theme song. Yes, very Sh- upbeat. Shout out to Eli. Total shout out to Eli. Um, so... Yeah. But Charles Barkley and, has and, been, and that and that clip is is taken from what, or maybe we can get into it later. It's a Nike commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So this clip is from I think the very early '90s, and um, for me, when when we decided to include it in the theme song from the beginning, it was it's because uh, I think that that line, just because I can dunk a basketball, doesn't mean I know how to raise your kids, speaks to sports having and and athletes symbolizing and meaning many different things so the multi-dimensionality of the athlete the multi-dimensionality of a specific sport that there's not Mm -hmm. one way to be one way to exist in it as an athlete or one way to exist within a certain uh space and so i think that that sort of set the stage in a conceptual way sets sets the stage for how i am approaching looking at sports maybe from like an alternative route um, so that's one of the reasons that I wanted to include that clip. And of course it's iconic. Um, and at the time when he, when he said that in the commercial, he got pushed back because other athletes during that period of time were seen as, as role models and, and people to look up to and that he was being so forward about, about what, you know, he, he thought he should, what he thought his role was. Uh, that he wasn't pretending necessarily to be a certain way, or he was pretending to be, you know, not a role model. Whatever it was, it was sort of antithetical to the other ways that that athletes were kind of marketing themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's why I felt I wanted to include that line in the podcast. Yeah, um, and it's it's interesting that it's sort of coming in. Um, in a commercial then, right? Because yeah. it's, it's, it's a sort of collaborative uh, packaging of that sentiment. It is, um, it, while it's very much sort of taking after his persona, um, it's also Nike selling um, what that persona is um, in order to, to, to sell shoes and sort of packaging the sense of a kind of bad boy, edgy um, uh, person um, to, um, to the marketplace uh, in, order, in order to sell more shoes. Um, and and so uh, this goes back to what you've been talking about sort of for the past couple seasons um, on this show, um, which is, right, um, these players being vessels for um, kind of moneyed ideas. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that, you know, we just saw the same thing happen with Colin Kaepernick um, when Nike put out their big ad featuring him and, you know, his ideas and that he's sort of pushing back against the standard and uh, sort of within his own sport and then also um, speaking out on social issues and, and just sort of taking a stand about what he believes in. And Nike is also collaborating with him in a way that that is financially beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, this has been going, this is nothing, nothing new. And so for the people who are listening who might not be as familiar with Charles Barkley, he, of course, is a professional basketball player who played for the 
Philadelphia 76ers and the Phoenix Suns and the Houston Rockets. And he was an all-star and won league MVP in 1992. Uh, 1993, he won league MVP in 1993, I believe. And, um, yeah, he was, like, in the same draft class as Michael Jordan. He was part of this sort of uh, – that his, that generation of players. So – And, yeah. and um, sort, sort of uh, – um kind of outsized personality within that yes. generation. Um, right. So they, they, they were very much a kind of, um, in, in many ways, the dream team, um, which I think is 92. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in many ways, the dream team was a kind of uh, transition between the um, Larry and Magic era to, uh, to Jordan um, in some ways, or I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable saying that. I think, um, I mean, that's the way, sorry, that's the way it says, that's the way it's sort of sold in the documentary as what happened, mm-hmm. um, that it was yeah. a little bit of like this um, passing of the torch, especially because, right. I mean, at that point, it was also, I think it was already clear. I mean, Michael Jordan had already won two championships. Yeah, over, over Magic. Over, um, one over so, Magic, so, yeah. So, so it, was, it was definitely clear. And I think at um, that point, so, so yeah. Th- that's why I had a little bit of reluctance saying that. But sure, you could see that as being sort of emblematic of the kind of uh, baton uh, passing um, from the sort of two mid-generations. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and within that, like Charles Barkley, um, his, his reputation on the Dream Team was as sort of the outsized personality. And there are, and I think, I, I also saw this in the documentary that we're, we're perhaps both referencing, um, that just crowds would follow him around uh, because yeah. he was such a magnetic personality. Um, and part of that was his, um, you know, what he makes a career of now after playing, which is his, his ability to um, uh, have kind of this unvarnished, un, unfiltered um, uh, uh, sense of, uh, uh, of opinion uh, and and um, you know all of the humor and everything else that goes along with that um, the this uncensored humor uh, that I think is sort of prompting your reappraisal of of or or, or the need to to um, uh, contextualize um, having Charles Barkley uh, in in your podcast. Yes, totally. I mean, I think he was known for his you know, playing and his skills and all of that and his ability to be a leader on the court, but also for his uh, comments uh, mm-hmm. that he would make and that he he wasn't, I mean, he didn't seem to really, and this I think is true on the basketball court as well, he wasn't someone that was going to back down. He got, you know, used to get a lot of technicals and fight a lot with refs and, you know, get into other players' faces like he was an aggressive player. And I think that he is not afraid to necessarily say things that are, uh, well, I mean, I think he says what he thinks, and of course, just like many other people, I don't necessarily agree with all the things that he says. And for me, I can still sort of look at him as this very important part of how basketball has developed as a game, especially as a game in in part sort of supported by narratives of players. Um, Mm -hmm. so I can appreciate that. And I can also say like, oh, I really don't think he should have said that because I don't think it was a nice thing to say, or I think it was a little, um, uh, 
wrong. I don't know what the right word is because it's, well, are I you, mean, are, are you, um, do, do you want to tell us what you're specifically? I don't um, know if it's because now that I've looked, I mean, now that I've really explored the full history of Charles Barkley, you know, getting attention for things that he said, I don't think it's one thing <laughs> that I'm particularly mm-hmm. um, upset by. Recently, he right. was, uh, I mean, just in the past few weeks, he said to a female reporter who was kind of um, questioning him about his uh, pick for for the nominee for president that mm-hmm. he liked everyone and that he wasn't sort of siding with anyone because they were at some event where different nominees were coming in and out or there were people from those campaigns coming in and out and he kept sort of schmoozing with everyone and she was like, yeah, it seems like you're just, you know, you'll vote for anyone. And he said to her, I don't hit women, but if I did, I'd hit you, which mm-hmm. is such a terrible thing to say. And I mean, of course, I wasn't there. This is all being reported. I'm not sure how either of those comments were were delivered. Of course, Charles Barkley should, I would say, I would appreciate if there weren't jokes made about violence against women. You know, it's problematic. And he admitted that and and put out a statement saying that he shouldn't have said that. Um, And then, of course, there was this backlash against this um, female reporter, um, Alex McCammond, on uh, Twitter, where people went through her old Twitter feed and found some racist things that she had said in the past. And then now people are, like, pushing back on her. So... One does not, you know, there's not like this one's worse or the, it just, it's just like all these things should not have been said in the, you know, but of course this is not the first time that Charles Barkley has necessarily said things that don't, that don't sit well uh, with my Mm -hmm. own, my own way of joking around. Um, Not that I, I have made tasteless jokes before. I've made tasteless Mm -hmm. jokes before, I'm sure. Yes, yes, about, about the Lakers, uh, for example. I know. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't think that's the same, though. <laughs> definitely. Oh yeah, um, it's it's definitely not. Um, so, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but, but but it's but it seems like um, this was uh, kind of one occasion, um, even though it's it's one of many things that he is um, uh, has been marked for for saying controversial things. That this, at the very least, occasioned the opportunity for you to. Um, uh, not quite address that for your reader, but a good opportunity to um, uh, to um, I guess contextualize um, what that um, what that original comment um, or I'm sorry th- that this was a, a good opportunity for you um, to take a look at um, that opening line from your podcast um, and sort of revisit that moment. Yes, I think, and also it's because, I mean, this prompted me to do it because I haven't done it. I mean, I think that Charles Barkley is a part of this podcast, and he's now a part Mm -hmm. of the history of this podcast, even if it's a short, tiny, one-year history. He's still, he's collaborating in some way with, you know, Eli, who designed my my theme song, and myself on this podcast, and he doesn't know about it again, but it still feels like... Yeah, he sh- I should sort of he's a part of this this thing that I've created and it felt important to acknowledge that uh by right. not, in, in, in the I, same way that Yes, yeah, sorry, go ahead. In, in the same way that he put out a statement uh sort of distancing himself from that uh from that joke which I I would imagine um it was at the urging of his uh Turner bosses. Um uh yeah. you are sort of 
uh, you, you're you're kind of putting out a statement um, uh, as though he was sort of uh, part of the team. And in many ways, yes, he is uh, kind of part of the team and you're putting out he your is. official statement. But, but we're also like zooming out and revisiting that moment because it really is a kind of interesting moment in time for basketball um, and uh, for those players because alongside with this um, – Nike packaging his kind of bad boy, controversial, um, unfiltered, unvarnished, um, uh, uh, truth-telling uh, person that that he was. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, part of the same generation, you have uh, be like Mike, um, mm-hmm. which is the very opposite. So, so in that in that commercial in Charles Barkley's commercial, um, I think the line is "I'm not a role model," yeah. um, which is the exact opposite of be like Mike. Yeah, exactly. Do you I mean, want to start? So, do you want to sing the Like Mike song? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can find it. Okay, just, uh... of course, insert it. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike, I wanna be like Mike. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. So yeah, it means children. Children are singing that song. So it's very, right. it's like, it is very much the opposite. So in this initial commercial, or sorry, in this commercial with Charles Barkley, he's saying, I am not a role model. Just because, just because I can dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids versus the kids singing in a chorus mm-hmm. um, like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Uh, two very different ends of the spectrum as far as filtered, as far as, uh, or versus unfiltered. And and mm-hmm. those two personas, like like one way you could look at it is like oh it's it's unfiltered, but sort of the other end of the coin of that is, or the other side of the coin of that is, uh, Michael Jordan uh, and his famous line about like Republicans and Democrats like both both wear shoes, right? So like yeah. his his Republicans um, buy sneakers too, right? Okay, um, so in other words, his sense of filtering. Um, out his opinions um, uh, has a political element to it. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, I, yeah, I, I think have so. a little bit more. I think, I think that it's interesting because also when we talk about an unfiltered persona, that's not really a persona then. That's just who the person is. Whereas a persona right. feels more of what you're sort of um, cobbling together as a way to present yourself to a certain audience whereas unfiltered Charles Barkley is just who Charles Barkley is and that's something that I also um sort of want to discuss as far as my so I I didn't want this discussion to necessarily be like picking apart things that Charles Barkley has said because I don't think that's fair to him when he's not here to discuss Mm -hmm. them necessarily even though he is a public a public figure, and I've tried in recent months when when there's been controversies around things that players have said or Jerem Silver to also like have more patience with what they said, knowing that it's not the full um, story about who they are necessarily or what they bring to the the table. Um, you know, as far as like Adam Silver and LeBron go for for what what occurred in in China. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I do think that there's. Um, yeah, I just wanted basically to have this chance to to talk about how how he fits into the the concept of the podcast and um all the different sort of ways that he's uh been a part of of the evolution of basketball including like the 
one of these like top sports shows in the country, always inside the NBA um, mm -hmm. on TNT, where he is a commentator and um, analysis or uh, analyst. So <laughs> I just feel like yeah, and his 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 career as an analyst is now um, he's he's been an analyst longer than he's been a professional basketball player right and um here's the bit of shade that i'm going to throw i think he might have been a better professional basketball player <laughs> um no offense to his i mean maybe like a little offense to his um some of the analysis he throws out uh but he's so charming on that show and also i think he's very candid in a way that uh is sort of refreshing i mean he's talked about his gambling issues on that show i mean i think that show in general oftentimes creates a space for 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 candidness from from all the hosts um and I, I really appreciate that because they also have you know talked about politics and talked about um you know they talked about what happened in china and all these things so i think that 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 show in comparison to other sort of prime time sports shows has a lot of um yeah it just it feels like a healthy space healthier space well but um and 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 i don't have the um uh, sort of the the exact research to to really back this up, but it seems like um, a number of years ago, um, his opinion mattered much more um, than it does now. And so I think it is important to, I don't know, um, if we could find a way to 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 revisit, I don't know him ten and fifteen years ago um, as an analyst, because uh, you mentioned that. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I'll just ask you. Uh, sure. You said you're you're um, who's a better basketball player than he is an analyst. Well, obviously he's he's one of the greatest basketball players ever. But um, what um, uh, what bones do you have to pick with his analysis? Well, it seems to me that when he started to sort of get things wrong in a regular way was when the Warriors started getting really good. Okay, um, so so this is very personal to you, is, oh. is, is what I'm hearing. Well, okay, okay no, so, yes, of course. So, of course you're joking. Um, no, why no, would no. you have a reason to, um, like, clap back at me? Okay, so <laughs> what I'm saying is that I think that the shift, and this is, like, the Warriors represented the shift, but, of course, the shift started before the Warriors mm -hmm. with the Spurs, um, really, even and though the they Suns. had Tim Duncan and the Suns. Um, this, but I think that it, like, spread more widely, but this shift into small ball where there was an emphasis put on outside play and the center, the big guys became less um, mm -hmm. important as far as scoring machines go. But it, it really did um, sort of put a wrench in his way of understanding basketball when the Warriors um, won, totally. right? Because... Um, although he still has outs because when they won in what was their first championship, 2015? Yes, 2015. Um, and is, is, is that I'm sure um, he might say, did, did he pick the Cavs that year? Um, yeah, I think he did. I mean, he was still saying after the Warriors won, like, oh, if Kyrie had been there, if Kevin Love well, was healthy. Right, so so, so, so that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, this that he still sort of has an out, even though the the league has completely remodeled itself um, in the past decade. Um, he still has that out of um, 
of saying the Warriors won in 2015 because uh, they were um, playing uh, an injury-depleted uh, team um, and that the following years, of course, they had KD and that just sort of like put them up into... Well, they didn't have like KD until 2017. Right. So there was 2016, right. which even though the Warriors lost, it still was pushed to a game seven and some might say they lost because in a sense like i i I don't agree with with him um but in a sense like i'm not sure he's ever sort of suffered um a true uh kind of irrefutable um uh like kind of small ball defeat um of his opinion no i think it's more in combination with other sort of things he said like uh, you know, the Thunder made the right move, giving uh, trading James Harden. Um, mm-hmm. And last year he said the the Trailblazers were going to win the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. I think they got swept in the Western Conference Finals. I'm trying to remember who they got swept by. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> it's so hard, just like really going back. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that like there, I mean, this those are, so of course James the James Harden thing was like, way back in 2013 and then this mm-hmm. thing with the the Blazers was more recent but um it seems that he is sometimes making some I I would definitely agree that the what he sort of sees as good basketball and the basketball that he grew up playing is not necessarily what he is seeing night in and night out on the court and I can imagine that that might be a little bit unsettling or frustrating in a way and that's why maybe he he wants he sees the game being successful in the way that he played it where he was he was the one that people were throwing the ball to who was kind of elbowing people and like getting rough inside scoring the ball being counted on to be the sort of dominant force inside when that's not that's not the same role it was anymore mm-hmm. so i can see yeah, that maybe um, that's kind of a uh ongoing sort of but I, I, I see – I don't think Shaq necessarily has the same same issues. I mean, not to say that anyone – anything that anyone says on that show is, like, gets it right every time. It's really hard to predict these things, blah, blah, blah. The Blazers were fantastic last year. They're, they're, they're you know, I, I can see why um, why Charles Barkley might have thought that. But I also just think that uh, – yeah, just I, I think that maybe his version of the game is so much different than what's being played now. It's difficult to – to use his own skills as a player and everything he learned to like project. So I, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to sort of chart um, um, perhaps his heyday as an analyst, because if I remember correctly, um, say before the, the small ball revolution um, uh, that he, um, uh, he was, as like someone like Bill Simmons would, would, would write at the time, like he was must see TV. Right. Mm-hmm. And perhaps he was a kind of like revolutionary voice um, within the landscape of um, perhaps not just the NBA, but, um, but sports in general, uh, because he had the very distinct um, uh, uh, advantage of been a former player with the ability to analyze and with the ability to sort of be a TV personality. And I don't know if the sports world has seen anyone quite like him, mm-hmm. um, somebody who is willing to be um, controversial and, and put his opinions out on the lo- line and uh, out on a limb and, uh, and make sort of bold statements um, as well as um, sort of be unafraid to um, challenge players directly, um, which 
someone like just someone who hadn't played basketball before um, wouldn't be able to have the same um, sort of charge and weight uh, lent to their words because he was a former player. And this is what he and Shaq do and, 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 um, and Kenny Smith um, is that because they're former players, they um, can lend their words a, a certain amount of, of gravitas uh, based on their own uh, experience. And you see that um, across all sports now, of course, um, but I'm not sure. Uh, I can't rem. I, uh, I, yeah, I just, I just don't know if, if anyone kind of before him um, had that dynamic um, combination of skills. Being a former player, being incredibly outspoken, and being just a good television personality, where um, he would win Emmy awards for mm-hmm. his um, uh, analysis. Um, and be very much kind of the the face um, of of that show of of inside the NBA um, to the point where you can see like the ESPN version of that show very much trying to like model itself after um, after inside the NBA yeah with and, the former players and, and, especially yeah and especially with foreign players and 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 uh, the sort of um, the combination of uh you know um one non-former player along with the other former players and trying to get them to sort of like develop a chemistry um and to a certain extent um that should be replicable but um charles barkley is such a unique voice and force um within that world that like um that there's sort of only one uh, charles barkley um and so i feel like at one point he was he had a real kind of um, weight and magnetism around him because he was the designated truth teller. Um, because he was a former player, he could get away with um, saying things and being bold about things because he saw things that um, only somebody um, who played the game would be able to see. Not only that, but only somebody um, who uh, was a superstar. Um, um, you know, and maybe that's it. I'm not sure there are other um, absolute superstars before him um, who were sitting in a chair uh, throughout the course of the season um, being an analyst. Um, obviously, he's joined by Shaq now. And the, and one of the things that Shaq brings to the table um, is that Shaq has won championships and Barkley hasn't. Um, he's, he's sort of that tragic, like, um, great player, undeniably great player. Um, who has never won. And they're able to draw from their experience um, in winning and, and, and not winning and almost winning mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a sort of like really interesting way. But to just sort of go back to, to just like zoom in on, on Barkley, like we saw that somewhat recently with um, obviously he was calling out Joel Embiid um, earlier in the, the season. He uh, and like earlier had... this week, he, they were both Shaq and Charles Barkley were calling out Joel Embiid. Yes. On TV. Um, so and... he's playing. They're calling him out on TV for not playing in a specific way. Right. It's a way that that was sort of like very old school. But yeah. um, which we can return to later because I think that's that's the um, the overall point of all of this is that he is the old guard um, and very much sort of uh, entrenched in his um, old school mentality of not only how he plays, but how players should be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But his um, like, it still exists uh, sort of to this day where he is um, 
it still makes for good television to see him be that forthright with players sitting right across from him. Um, and we saw this uh, with Clay Thompson when Clay Thompson was on uh, earlier in the season. And Clay Thompson was talking about sort of um, his hopes for how the team could be um, even this season. Um, this was, I think, uh, as the season was just uh, getting underway and he was talking about um, uh, Stefan D'Angelo um, holding down the fort and so, so that by the time he, he came back, they could sort of like do some damage um, uh, in the playoffs. Uh, and Barkley, like, I think cut him off and just said, you guys are, aren't going anywhere this year. Um, I think he said and, you're never going to win another championship. <laughs> like, I think he said something more long term. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it, which, which is even harsher. It was right? something and, very extreme. Right. And and so, right. He, and that, that's kind of like he's known for saying these uh, extreme things. But and regardless of whether or not it like sort of happens to be true or whatever, like, again, this is a television show and television shows are trying to manufacture exciting moments. And that if you're watching that. Um, is a moment because you're watching Clay Thompson's face sort of drop and kind of smile and maybe smirk. And you're watching the other uh, analysts and, and commentators just kind of squirm in their seat because it's an uncomfortable moment. And that makes for good television. So he's positioned himself as a kind of valuable truth teller, unafraid to tell other players um, the truth because he's been there before to some extent um and he's able to sort of use that um and and like be the truth teller and so because he was once um i think and to some degree maybe even still is um at the top of the heap of this role of of, of what he does um in football i think now um someone like Tony Romo is getting a lot of attention um, because of he's able to like, as the game is happening, uh, predict exactly what, um, what play uh, the offense is going to run in a really sort of uncanny way. Um, but in basketball, um, even though you have like Shaq and Chris Weber and other, other players, um, um, good to great players, um, uh, I mean, Jalen Rose is, is really good, um, uh, especially more so in podcasts, right, where he's, mm -hmm. he's able to, to, to let loose a whole lot more. Um, but in, in terms of the big stage, and we're talking about sort of national television, Charles Barkley still fills the role of like um, – like the great, you know, uh, and, and, and not great in terms of like sort of like quality, uh, but very uh, like undeniable voice, the, the, the person that you want to hear um, say something after a game happens. You, um, there's still a sense that um, uh, you want to tune in after the game to see what Charles has to say. Um, but I will say that it seemed like, and this, uh, forgive me if this is all just sort of like, uh, it feels like, and all kind of anecdotal because it's kind of difficult to research. Sure. It seems like 10 years ago before small ball, like that role was even, um, was much more, uh, elevated, um, that, um, uh, that his opinion, uh, even if there's nobody really sort of on his level now was even more elevated, say 10 years ago. And you have to sort of think of that 
the fact that he's sort of like uh, um, within this this world. I mean, he's already a celebrity and already kind of a great name. But within this, he has a great sort of power with with what he's going to say. That it was, um, as some would say, like musty television. Uh, to tune into what he's going to say, to comment about a game or about a player's performance, um, that he had that power. Uh, I feel like that power has really diminished. I don't know about really, but certainly diminished um, over the past 10 years or so, slightly because the game has progressed in a way that um, is almost unrecognizable uh, from the game that he played. Uh, and from the game that he commented on in his first decade of really sort of, um, I think he started in 2000. And so in that first decade from 2000, 2010, um, you know, I mean, it was still like um, playing through the big man. It, it was still very much Shaq and then except for Tim the Duncan Suns. And then, <laughs> and then no, but, but right. But so he but he never picked the Suns mm-hmm. and they were small ball. And right. they never won. And yeah, so that's if true. Anything, they were that, exactly that, like like if anything that would support his um, uh, his righteousness. But they and, were a contender. And, I mean, they were they were having like tough playoff battles. No, absolutely. This has nothing to do like the, this is nothing to do with like um, whether or not they're a great enough team. And and obviously we, we can sort of go into like the circumstance, like the Robert Ory uh, hip check and all of that. Sure. Um, but, 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 uh, but what I'm saying is you can imagine that Charles Barkley came out of that unscathed and stronger out of that decade mm-hmm. because he, he would have picked against the Suns, And I'm pretty sure he did pick against the Suns um, because they were um, just, a small ball, uh, a kind of revolutionary, and and the fact that they didn't win at all, of course, would make his his opinions um, uh, stronger by 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 virtue of of his being right. And so, if you can imagine that first decade of his analysis and his prognosticating, um, uh, you know, coming out of that decade as 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 stronger than ever. Um, and then you can evaluate sort of the decade that came after that, the small ball revolution, as like destabilizing and 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 putting cracks in the armor of of his opinions. Um, and this is sort of where we're seeing him now. He is um, uh, again, it's all sort of anecdotal and just the various um, chiming in on Twitter of. Um, of, of kind of roasting his opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things he's very much roasted as, and he, it seems like he's self-aware um, when he does this, when, when he was talking about Joel Embiid, he said something about like, oh, this is, this is like, they were reframing it as we're, we're trying to challenge Joel. This is not just us being, you know, get off my lawn. Well, with him saying that, this is not just us saying, get off my lawn. He's, exhibiting a kind of self-awareness of what others are saying about him, uh, which is that he is very much the old guard, the old establishment representing an old school mentality. um, And that if anything, he should get with the program. Small ball is here. The game has changed. um, When is he sort of 
finally going to accept it. And I don't know. It seems like he had to, even if he kind of has the out that like, has small ball ever truly won the championship um, in the past 10 years? Um, Like without sort of asterisks uh, uh, tied to injuries. Um, Like, I don't know. Like he, he might be able to sort of point to something every year and still feel like he's right because he's, he hasn't fully come around, right? Like the game has become small ball, but um, he still very much uh, hangs on to um, a particular way of, of winning basketball games and a particular style of play. My arms naturally started to cross as you were saying all the championships one in the past 10 years have asterisks on them as far as small ball goes. Just seeing I'm sitting very, just made me sit up a little bit. Um, I think everything. Because the the KD thing is, is just sort of, you know, um, is, 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 is almost just elevated into a, a kind of different category. Sure. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say definitely the 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 purest form of the the Warriors as a small ball team was played before KD got there. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, last year when he was injured during the playoffs, that was like a return to that. Which all of a sudden there was a brief few week period where the Warriors were once again and then the underdogs and then he, in some way. And then Barkley notably um, picked the Raptors before, before the, um, before the series started. And, you know, people wrote about that, that like, Oh, here he is again, picking against the Warriors. Um, which, which was another sort of exhibition of his refusal to, um, to embrace, uh, small ball. Yes. So everything you said, I think really, I think you unpacked it really well about sort of how Charles Barkley has fit into uh, sports media and what he has brought to the table and that he is does have this ability to say he says what's on his mind, um, mm. which I think in the when we're talking about the incident with Clay Thompson um, on the air, I really do think it's it is there is value in people being sort of the, the call out. Um, and mm-hmm. and him and Shaq on Inside the NBA often have this like kind of back and forth of like calling each other out on stuff and 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 taking things a step too far when someone gets something wrong or someone says something dumb whatever it is they they give each other mm-hmm. a lot of shit and I really think that 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 there's some intimacy some family like behavior there <laughs> with not letting mm-hmm. things slide which I really think is is enjoyable and and has a value brings a value that not all sports media shows do. Um, and I just wonder, so I think that, I think he also says what's on his mind about other things besides sports or, or basketball. I think that he makes, um, you know, he's, 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 he's very open with his sort of political opinions, it seems. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that he doesn't say everything he, he thinks, but he's not afraid to share, uh, mm-hmm. some of his, some of his thoughts on that. And then these things that he says, um, that that he claims sometimes are jokes and things like that. I think that that is a it's just that that's a part where I have a hard time like reconciling this. You know, he's on Inside the NBA when I was watching the other night, um, or it was a couple weeks back. He did like goat yoga, 
Um, so he's mm-hmm. on all fours, and the goat gets put <laughs> on top of him. I mean, like the goat is also you know has all of its four legs on him, and um, I think some of the other hosts were doing it as well. But there's something. He's very charming on that show. And I mean, of course, he's not always charming. He he also says things um, in crass ways or these like little like bickering and things like that. So but there was just it was right after this incident with this female reporter. And then I'm watching the show the next night to see if he says anything about it. And there's goat yoga going on, right. which, of course, like it doesn't make up for anything that he said to this woman. It's just so hard to reconcile all these different ways that he is which i think of course is true of of most people um as far as what we see on tv isn't what maybe happens behind closed doors and all of these things but because charles barkley is known for being this like super honest person um it's tricky i mean he did say in his statement that the it should never have been something he thought was a joke which i thought was like an important element of the statement it wasn't just like i'm sorry it wasn't like an "I'm sorry you were offended" type of statement. It was like, yeah. I, "I can't, like, I, I should never have made thought that that was a funny thing to make a joke about." Right, and and we don't know, and I don't want to speculate, um, you know, how much of that was sort of in collaboration with um, with Turner and with uh, his press people, yeah. um, because he he also just has a very kind of blithe and. I mean, you know, again, unfiltered um, sense of humor that still um, that 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 still pops up on the show. I mean, I'm curious how you receive some of that. Like, it's it, it it's we can track the sense of like and small ball. It, we can parallel it with small ball. Although I wouldn't say that there um, that there's a causal relationship, uh, but in the same way that. Um, small ball has like revolutionized the game and and he's sort of the old guard and is um uh his opinions are are being slightly kind of like left behind um we could talk about the political upheaval that the country is going through right now and his um his old old school uh or his um his lack of political correctness um that was what made him once good television is now slightly outdated. Um, at least I, you know, um, uh, perhaps don't receive it quite the same way. I, I perhaps I should have been much more progressive uh, earlier on. Um, but yeah, how do you um, uh, receive and experience yeah. uh, kind, kind of his um, more offhand and, and, you know, they very much often flirt with, um, being inappropriate to the point where like Ernie Johnson just kind of has to be the adult at the table. Um, often he's just making jokes to Shaq and they're making jokes at each other and, and the kind of attentive listener and viewer um, will get some of the, the, the references um, that they're making uh, snidely. Um, uh, but they're often um, working um on the wavelength of being politically incorrect. Um, I, he hasn't made this joke in a while, just be, maybe I haven't uh, uh, seen much of it, but back when the Spurs were just sort of a constant presence um, throughout uh, the playoffs, you know, he's, he had this recurring joke, and maybe he still does, of talking about how overweight the women in San Antonio are. 
Yeah, he, I think he just said something about it again the other day. Well, so. Okay, so, so, so it continues. Yeah, and like that to me seems, of course, what, what made him, uh, uh, not what made him popular, but like part of what made him popular is that um, he was unafraid to make um, um, uh, inappropriate jokes um, or, or, or the, the appeal of, of, of uh, his presence there is that um, he can make those jokes. Um, but yeah, in the same way that that small ball is sort of changing the game that he's analyzing, um, the the television show, um, things are changing around it, which is a kind of political upheaval and reassessing um, what is what is appropriate to say. Um, and he's caught in this as well, which is how I, um, you know, the fact that he um, what spurred all this is a joke, um, perhaps that uh, uh, maybe he gets away with this joke um, uh, five years ago, uh, or, or maybe the reporter doesn't even bring this up um, because uh, five years ago, the, you know, um, uh, while this is not like directly uh, related to the Me Too m movement, um, um, it's, it's tangentially, right? Um, and so, yeah, like situating that joke kind of in the political upheaval um, that the country is going um, through, um, I think is 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 worth considering. How how do you um, how do you make sense of that? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't enjoy um, bringing a certain individual into this podcast space. Uh, that often, but when we do have someone who is this unfiltered uh, TV personality, um, you know, not afraid to get in people's faces, quote unquote, whatever, as the president of the United States, mm -hmm. uh, it maybe makes, and, and when you don't agree with what that person is saying ever, it makes other versions of that. And I'm not saying Charles Barkley is like the president necessarily, but when you were using those words as far as like, yeah, unfiltered and, and the, um, this guy on TV and all this stuff, it's like mm -hmm. we have this other person who's Absolutely. running the country. So I think that that, um, that's just no longer, there's no longer charm in that for me. Mm -hmm. There's no longer charm in like the, the errant comment that's insanely offensive. Like there's no value. Absolutely. There's no value in that. There's that's not a contribution to to that doesn't that doesn't move anything forward. That just that keeps us. It pulls us back. So I I think that the the situation that we're in uh, right now calls for like this greater responsibility from people who have uh, a platform and the things that come out of their mouth very much uh, matter. And 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 I really know that like Charles Barkley has campaigned for for people who are running against um, sort of our current political um, situation right now. You know, he's, he's spoken out against things and, and uh, spoken honestly about them, but that, you know, it's still these issues of misogyny and, and um, it's difficult, but like, uh, you know, comments that, that he's made, that I don't agree with, you know, about everyone needs to stand for the, the national anthem and the flag mm -hmm. that the warriors mm -hmm. should have gone to the white house, uh, when they won that, you know, it's, they, sh they just, that's something that mm -hmm. they need to do. Like not 
the, the bigger picture feeling uh, that, that I can see through these acts of Colin Kaepernick kneeling, the Warriors refusing to go and shake the hand of someone who claimed to have grab, grabbed women by their vaginas. It feels that, that I see this, I see all of these sort of acts within sports, acts of sort of activism within sports as, within this bigger context. And that's really important to me, and that has a lot of value for me. And so when Charles Barkley is saying the things that he's against and all of this um, to that extent, I I feel as though we're coming at it from two really different places. Of course, we're different people, uh, and and sometimes that is difficult for, for me to reconcile because I'm like, why, why don't you see it um, this way? And I, mm-hmm. I don't think that – yeah, I mean, it's just – it's very different. So I think that there is – I – I sometimes think there is value at this point in being more considerate with the the jokes you make. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that he his 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 honesty and his the way that he sort of says what he thinks without there, you know, being a, a hesitation has a lot of value. I don't think it always has value. Well, at some point, the things that were once radical um, become outdated, um, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that with his opinions. And at some point, the things that were once sort of controversial become incredibly staid. Um, and you're seeing this, um, I think, right, right now, like, even after the um, the Charles Barkley comments, I feel like in the past few weeks, um, the most one of the more popular memes that's been going around is the OK Boomer meme. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't say. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, to, to the point where, of course, the life cycle of, of memes is that at some point they just like parody themselves. And then you see things like 12 year olds saying, OK, boomer to, to their 14 year old brother or sister. Right. Um, but the the um, the the basic uh, sentiment behind it, of course, is that like, OK, you're old, like the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, your opinions don't matter anymore. Um, and and I think it just kind of expresses this need to sort of be like, this system is fucked um, and tear it all down, burn it all down um, and replace it with, um, or the, the ones who are in power, the old guard got us in this mess that we are in. Uh, burn it all down and replace it with, um, replace it with, with new people. And, um, uh, within basketball and this sort of, um, to, to, to go back to Barkley and small ball, it's very much is this generational divide. Um, and that's just kind of being paralleled then with, um, with, um, you know, his, his outdated, um, uh, you know, sense of humor as well. Um, and, and, and that's that's going to be just as generational. Uh, what he once considered to be funny um, um, is is now being reassessed um, as as a, a newer generation um, uh, ostensibly like replaces him. Yes, and that reassessment, I think is is important and something that like um, maybe sometimes many of us experience um, at certain ages in our life, and I'm I'm really not trying to pick on Charles Barkley. It's more about just sort of like unpacking some of the 
the issues and the cultural moments that he's been a part of um, and, and his relevance to the game because he's still extremely relevant to basketball. I mean, we saw that even this past week with this Joel Embiid, him and Shaq calling him out on TV, and then Joel Embiid calls them like to talk about his bas- his skills, his game, like what he needs to change <laughs> to get advice. Um, so I think that there, he... Was that, did, did he call them on television? Or no, I think was... he called them like the next day. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm going to double check that. Um, but I mean, I think that he still, he still carries this weight, like you were saying. And I think that, yes, it's just this like reassessment and much needed reassessment from, from many of us. And I think that, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, um, censoring like I don't want him to censor himself or that's not what I'm saying it's more of just this idea of thinking through how you know what your comment how your comment could have a negative impact on a group of people especially maybe a group of people that might be like already marginalized um well I mean you know hiring Shaq as as sort of the full-time uh person um I mean, the dynamic there isn't quite sort of, um, it is a different generation that they played it, 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 in, a different generation of game. But like, um, you know, as with anything, as with any sort of like you know, need for diversity, um, uh, like that, any show, um, but, but that show could, could sort of use a diversity in, in voices as well. Um, Shaq doesn't quite provide um, as much of a um, kind of major difference in opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and, and I suppose the, the, the small ball revolution is kind of too recent to have any former players um, be brought on the show. Well, we've seen what happened when there are players that come on the show to uh, discuss the importance of, or to, you know, defend or, or say that's, you know, Clay Thompson, for example, like that didn't go yeah. well for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that like, yeah, I don't know. Just putting myself in in Barkley's shoes, and and he has an out. Um, even though it seems like he's been, it feels like in the past ten years his his um, his star has diminished in terms of um, what he's had to say. Um, that like, yeah, he doesn't really have any true reason aside from just seeing the game in front of him change, but any true reason to let go of his kind of old school mentality um, and old school style of play uh, belief in how to win. That hasn't really been fundamentally changed because I don't think there's been, um, yeah, the the kind of irrefutable proof um, that uh, would completely... I don't know, unravel his his belief system in that regard. I do understand that. I also just think that the Raptors last year weren't, you know, like Marcus Gasol is not Patrick Ewing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So right. I just, I feel like even though the Raptors won and let's say they had but, still won against. But Kawhi, and, and, and I totally agree But Kawhi agree is not Charles you. Barkley. Like Kawhi is some like shooting guard, small forward. Kawhi is like, Jordan. He's Jordan. But I mean, the thing is like, but he's Jordan, but he plays a different position than Jordan. Yeah, but he's he's very. Of course, like, I just I feel like even like it's just there's not. Uh, I mean, he is another version of Jordan. I just still feel like there's not the same. It's just the game is different, and I think that that is 
sort of a bit of a little piece of tiny beef. It's like the smallest piece of beef in the world. I'm a vegan, so it's tiny beef. Um, <laughs> that I have is that this idea of like going back. Like I don't think we're gonna undo small ball. I don't. I I agree with you that it's not like we've had the one definitive moment where it's like we've had the two teams at full strength, like sort of um, more traditional, like uh, inside focused team um, with like a traditional center and all of that versus, you know, the Warriors um, Hamptons five or whatever, or like, you know, pre, pre Kevin Durant, all of that. So we haven't necessarily had that like ultimate, face off and maybe we still will but I just so I agree that it's like not everything that he has said can you know he can't be refuted either way but I'm also I just also think that like that there's no point in like trying to go back and this also then (laughs) goes so um in such parallel with what we are experiencing with the campaign lines god it's so hard to talk about politics without naming names I'm not gonna fucking name names but it's so hard to 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 ignore the fact that like this campaign is based on or the 2016 campaign was based on going back um mm-hmm. so just idea of like the there is inherent value in the game evolving changing about power structures within how the game is played changing over time that that is a good thing that i think would be great if like small ball turned into something else in, in 30 years like that. There's that's exciting about it. So I'm not saying this Mm -hmm. is the end all and be all. I'm just saying that this idea of just like hanging on to this idea of what you think is right. um, Right. Absolutely. Which is, which is what the sort of okay boomer sentiment is because the boomers remade the world in their, in their um, likeness and in their image. And it worked for them. Uh, but clearly it is also sort of responsible for the mess that we're presently in. And the, to just sort of nostalgically go back to um, what what uh, um, what that version of success was is clearly just wrong. Um, and um, and yeah, I mean, we're 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 seeing um, we're seeing Barkley in this this OK Boomer um uh, moment. Um, Even and, though he's not he a boomer, is, right? He's Gen X. He is. He's a boomer. He is. He is. Wait, so he must have yeah. been born in like 1960 something. I don't remember, but oh I, 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 I did look it up, and he's literally. I mean, okay, boomer. Obviously, as we of just course, talked about, course, like, yes. it sort of like transcends. Um, like the, I can like, say it to you. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, um, and uh, yeah, what else was I going to say? Oh, I was, I was going to say, and you may not like this, but like, <laughs> the, um, like ironically, um, the 2016 Cavs were kind of small ball. And they won it all. Like, they didn't have a traditional center. Uh, no, I would say, again, it goes back, it's the same thing as the Raptors, like not yeah. being traditional like there is there is a there is um yeah you have I, kevin love you have kevin love uh perched out on the three-point line how is that not small ball right right uh, but but of course like charles barkley is just going to sort of see the fact that oh it, it was the warriors that that were not able to succeed and and they are like the epitome of, of small ball right and i also think that like there's um, I mean, I, yes, I totally agree. And I, I am actually going to remove 
the defensive warriors fan part of myself from this conversation so that we don't have to relitigate um Draymond Green getting suspended in 2016 because there's no point um (laughs) yes I agree that like I, I that that the Cavs in 2016 and really like after as well we're not a traditional basketball team as we would have seen in the 1990s for like 2017 and, and, 2018 and, and Berkeley has to recognize this right I mean they they have spoken on um on the show that like the the game itself the league itself uh has changed but like I think just within that he still uh uh like he still believes uh, and, or he still finds ways to um, sort of clutch or hang on to um, just whatever old school um, and I don't know, old way, old system of, of playing um, in his picks. It, it, it's, it's still, yeah, I, I, I haven't watched like every single, prediction um over the past like few years or so but like it seems like um it still seems like he um sticks to um kind of an older style of play okay brian i think i um yeah i'm just really happy that you came on and that we were able to kind of get into this because it is a tricky thing i i sort of admire charles barkley for taking the stand that he did especially in the early 90s for his willingness to be able to like push back on what, you know, mainstream sort of media and audience wanted him to be. So I appreciate what he offered at that point. And then of course, like it's complex um, when, when, you know, there's other things that, that come up that are, that are not, uh, I would say that sometimes what he offers isn't always as not, is not valuable and is, is, can be harmful. So um, complicated person, just like you, um, or or my, or me, um, and I, uh, yeah. So so thanks for so much for coming on. I'm going to do maybe the most boomer thing ever tonight, which is finish my uh, documentary on the Roosevelts, <laughs> which I'm just not sure how it's oh, going to end. The, the, the Ken Burns. <laughs> yes, the PBS documentary is so good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, um, and of course, Charles Barkley was born in 1963, so he's definitely a boomer. Just confirmed that. Great. Good. Yeah. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Um, so we can officially say it, um, but also not say it because it's like so the thing to say right now. So we have to figure out something else to say, uh, because like okay, boomer is actually like okay, boomer because it's so, you know, over. Sort of. Um. Anyways, I hope we get to talk soon. And um. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, happy to be back. Yeah, as always. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.